0: legends, it's Catfish here. Just a real quick message before you listen to this episode. It was recorded a couple of weeks back, but due to the business of life and also my involvement in writing the NRL Supercoach Talk Mega Guide, just basically been flat out, haven't had a chance to edit and get it up for uh, publishing till now. So uh, there's a little bit of info that's a little bit out of date in terms of, you know, since then we found out, yep, yeah, Hannah has been confirmed as the fullback for the Dolphins. Uh, where I think we mentioned the Panthers may not have been back at training yet but they are now obviously so so yeah look just a quick heads up it doesn't really change the majority of our thoughts but obviously you know info has been confirmed since then so yeah I'll leave you to listen to the episode <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions. You're here with Catfish as always. I'm joined again by 2022 overall champion, Matt White, the reigning champ. How are you going, Matt?
1: Good, mate. Good. Yep, reigning champ. We're still running with it. Loving it.
0: We're going to roll it out as much as we can. I'm going to help you milk that one. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for jumping on again. We had you on last episode. We talked through some teams, talking a bit more broadly about yeah how we're seeing the teams shaping up. Uh, not not so much drilling down into all the players and everything like that, but looking at some of the more burning questions for each team face that they're going to face this season. So we're going to continue on with that. We've got a couple more teams lined up for for tonight. Look, I'm going to be a little bit selfish. I'm going to start with the Broncos, and uh, look, they disappointed me greatly last year at the back end. You know, sitting at top four at one stage, and I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to play finals footy, and then, yeah. Let's let's not let's move on. Let's move on. Twenty twenty three. It's going to be our year, right?
1: <laughs> it, it hasn't started like your year. I, uh, I must oh, say that. the, the <laughs> end of twenty two <laughs> and the start of twenty three aren't looking good. Let's hope February's a new month.
0: Yeah, look, it's a good point. There's obviously been a lot of off field drama for the Broncos. Uh, you know, players getting in trouble with the law, uh, players' family members getting in trouble with the law, players. You know mouthing off awesome on podcasts and whatnot. It's yeah, it's been an interesting off season. But let's look, let's look at some of their gains and losses. So look, starting with the gains, I'm really excited. Obviously, Reese Walsh, the prodigal son, coming back to the Broncos, should never have left. And that's a story for another day. But he's back and he's gonna play fullback, which is no surprise to anyone. The other gains uh, are not too exciting. Jock Madden's come in to compete, supposedly, for the five position, but he's there for depth. They've also picked up Tyson Smoothie, who plays hooker. He's from your boys at the Storm. He's just going to be depth at uh, the hooker position. But yeah, look, Reese Boss trumps all of that. I think he's such a huge addition to the team uh, in in an area we did struggle with at times last year. But the losses, look, Jermaine Asako off to the Dolphins. Uh, Well, I mean, he already left for the Titans last year. Tessie New, gone to the Dolphins. Uh, Those who've listened to the podcast before know I'm not. Entirely shattered by that. I hadn't been Tessie's biggest fan for a while now. I'm pretty sad that we've lost Tamari Martin over to the Warriors, but can't fault him for wanting to go home. Uh, We've also lost Jake Turpin to the Roosters. So, yay, I'm celebrating there. (laughs) Again, one of my not-so-favorite players. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed we do lose Brenko Lee, only because I love Brenko. He's not not for footy reasons. He's just a funny guy. Funny guy to support the Supercoach as well. Reese Kennedy's gone to the Super League. Ryan James has retired. David Meads retired. Tyson Gamble's off to the Knights, and two-game wonder Zach Hos- Hosking picked up by the Panthers off the back of two games out of nowhere, basically. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good, but yeah, quite a lot of player movement out overall. But I have to say, I'm feeling positive for the Broncos, and I don't. I feel like that's dangerous. We get Herbie back from his. You know, we lost him for the second half of the year, and I think he was probably a. Bigger loss than a lot of people realised, just because he was having a great season and really holding down defensively as well as in attack. He was an actual threat on that left side. There, I'm trying to take off my maroon and gold glasses. How do you feel about the Broncos?
1: Yeah, the um, the Broncos started like a house on fire last year, didn't they? Um, I know Reynolds missed the first game. They managed to to win that without him, and he come back and he was a saviour to Brisbane. And then, yeah, the wheels fell off towards the end. It, the Reynolds is an interesting one. Uh, another full preseason in Brisbane to um, hopefully try and teach some of these young guys what winning's like. Although he isn't a year older, so what's what's bigger there, the positive or the negative? Katoni Staggs is another year off a uh, knee recon. Hopefully he can uh, match it with Herbie this year. I, I know going into last year, nobody thought Herbie Farnworth was going to be Brisbane's strike center. And, and it, it definitely played out that way. I guess Billy, uh, the dad's my coach, Walter's, is still going to be the starting hooker, is he? Or or who gets to play hooker?
0: I feel like he's going to be there round one. I don't know how long he'll hang on to that for. Just because, and look, I think the reality is, is he's definitely not the best hooker at the club. I've spoken in the past of how much of a fan I am of the fact that Corey Paggs can actually pass in front of the halves and, and let them run onto the ball. But he's got his defensive deficiencies, and I know that's why he doesn't get trusted to play the starter role or play more than 40, 50 minutes when he when he gets a chance. But Purdy's bulked up a little bit, put on a bit more weight. So if he can fix that, he would be my definite uh, I'd, who I'd like to see at hooker. I mean, we do have Blake Moser, who was the under 19s origin uh, hooker for Queensland. And a lot of promise there. I mean, they've given him the next Cameron Smith treatment already in the in the media, which is just unfair on the kid. He's nothing like Cameron Smith, for starters. But, yeah, look, there's a lot of promise there. But he's so young. Like, I just don't think he's ready to, to be the main guy. So that's definitely one area that the Broncos lack in. But I feel like with the pieces they have, like, Walters is not horrible. Uh, no. Him and Tex were okay at times as a one-two punch throughout the yeah. Maybe yeah.
1: they can pull off a a, um, a very very poor man's Mitch Kenny and Appy Coruscant, right? Let Billy Walters take the sting out of the game, and and if Corey Pakes is the the better dummy half, let him come on before halftime when when everybody else is um, yeah gassed.
0: Yeah, just to be clear, you're not comparing Corey Pakes to Appy as a hooker, but uh, no, just the, no, the way quite. he was used off the bench, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Look, I, I think for me it just comes down to can these players be a little bit more professional? Like the the promise is still there. They have such a talented like there's so much talent in the squad, but there's so so much like inexperience as well. Like Selwyn Kobo, I think, let's just talk about him. I mean, he's such a such a freakish player. Like when he gets going, he can do stuff that other players can't do. But you can tell his his attitude, his mindset just isn't at the level it needs to be to be a professional footy player and you know that's not that's not a slide on him I think it's just the reality right now and he's shown that with what he's done in the offseason you know jumping on a podcast like an amateur podcast without the club's permission and obviously you know I don't think there was a, a, any malice in his comments about Kevin Walters I think that's just he's just simple like that that's how he saw it so he's fully said and didn't really think through the consequences, and here he is. I mean, he's learning; he's learning quickly. I think he's going to have to rise up pretty soon. Otherwise, Hopefully he's learning, yeah. And let's not forget—I know a lot, of people, a lot of people gave him, you know, grief for what happened last year when he, you know, he, asked, he asked for a week off, and then turns out he's left the left the game at halftime because the, the other the boys are getting flogged. But I mean, let's, let's not forget—you know—he's just had such a meteoric rise. He also got knocked really, really badly out in Origin and suffered quite a, you know, a lingering concussion. Like he was out, he wasn't himself for ages. So I think we can't just ignore that. Like all of this kind of happened after that concussion. So yeah, it's hard to know, right? What 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 the impacts that has?
1: It is difficult. It is difficult. But I don't quite have the same colored glasses on as as you, Wilf. And <laughs> sorry. Cool. But, but half of their wages is, is not to play footy. It's not to carry on the way that they've been carrying on lately. Yeah, they're great on the park, but, but for 80 minutes a week just isn't good enough. I
0: totally agree. Yeah, totally agree with that, honestly.
1: Yeah, now that they're back in uh, full-time training, starting the year off, I see uh, Payne Haas is back on board this week. Hopefully they can turn the corner. Like Pat, Pat Carrigan is it's a genuine leader of, of men. So hopefully... It's uh, looking up for the the mighty Bronx this year.
0: The other thing that I'd be looking at here is, I mean, Payne Haas had a pretty down year, right? Do you think he bounces back? It's a tough one, isn't it?
1: It is. I think he might bounce back from an NRL perspective. I, I just don't think he can get to those super coach heights that he did going back two years. It was the young brigade of, of baby Broncos, we'll call it, and um, and he probably matured the fastest, so he was playing crazy big minutes. I think now, as everybody else is is growing up into their bodies, like guys like Carrigan can play just as many minutes as as Ars can. You have got guys like TC Robardi and and Palacia who are now just big boys that, that can take some of Paynas's minutes. So I think Supercoach, he's not going to be there like he was, but from an NRL perspective.
0: Yeah, just uh, Rabadi does have his own off-field dramas at the moment, so he may not be in the squad. And, I mean, there's some whispers of Palacir apparently trying to get an early release, so I'm not sure what that's, what's happening there.
1: Well, Paynas might have to pay 90 minutes more than 80.
0: Possibly. But, look, uh, what I will say is that I it's important to remember he had a couple of weeks where he had one AC joint injury and then, he did the other AC joint later. So he finished the season playing with two busted shoulders as well as, you know, he had other niggles along the way. I think there was a rib issue at one point or whatever, but yeah, he was gone through the walls basically. And it's worth noting that he started off really, really well in 2022. We can't forget that. Cause yeah, even just like the first five rounds, 76.4 average, and that's purely meat and potatoes. I think he had one line break in there, but That's nothing to sneeze at. And right now he's priced much much more affordably at a 63 average. So I would not be surprised if he comes out and goes 70 plus, 75 plus because he's fit and healthy. The hesitation I have is where is his mind at? You know, is he going to be able to shut off all the off-field stuff and just focus on playing footy? Because when he does that and he's fit and healthy, I've got no doubt he's going to smash it because he's a freak. (laughs) Like. That is how good he is when, when he can play footy and just not worry about all the other stuff. So, yeah, maybe again, you know, Maroon got glasses, but on the numbers, like, I can't see him not at least, at the very least, matching 63, and, and more likely I expect him to be 10 points above that. You're right. It's
1: a, it's the same argument as I gave uh, in the previous set with Burton. There's no way he's going lower than, than 63, is he?
0: It's just hard to see how it happens without an injury, basically. Like, even if his mind's not in the game, like, historically, he's still been a very comfortable one-point-per-minute player, right? So, you know, he's going to get his 60-odd minutes. So, yeah, it's hard to see him not playing that game time there. So, yeah, look, Payne Haas. The only hesitation I have also is: well, we're going to have to trade him out at some point, right? You can't hold these guys over Origin. It's going to be so tough this year with the three big buyers to navigate as well. And, and you know, Origin players. Going to have to get managed I think there's a there's a genuine argument to suggest that all, a lot of your origin players need to be traded out so yeah that's one reason maybe you not might lean someone else if you get a 50/50 call but look I think it's uh, I'm always guilty of talking too much about the Broncos so let's move it on the next team I want to look at here uh, will go go from uh, a questionable team in terms of the success to one team that's just been absolutely successful. It's the Panthers, obviously back-to-back champs, and I mean, are they even back at training yet? <laughs> I feel like half of them have been on on holidays, right, with the World Cup, and then yeah, I don't think Nathan, Cleary, Nathan Cleary's back at training yet.
1: Yeah, they've had a they had a long year, didn't they? I guess that's what happens when you win. But um yeah, well, you go down down that list, like a lot of that squad was at the World Cup. Not all Australia, right? Though. Like, no. Lou I was there. Tago was there.
0: I felt like they. They were a large part of the Australian squad and then also a large part of the Samoan squad, right? And they, they met in the finals. So, <laughs> yeah. Look, in terms of their player movements, losses, uh, you know, there's some big names in the sense of like Kakao, we've talked about it, Coruscant to the Tigers, Jermaine Hopgood, you know, off to the Eels. And I think Hopgood is you know, not from a, you know NRL perspective because he just had, hasn't had a, an opportunity Aside from when Isaiah Yeo was out, but there's a lot of hype about him uh, because basically he hasn't been playing because of Isaiah Yeo, basically, and it's you know fair enough if you got one of your, one of the best forwards in the game ahead of you, that does make it a bit harder. Uh, they also lost Stance to the Tigers, uh, Robert Jennings to the Dolphins, and also Sean O'Sullivan to the Dolphins. In exchange, they've got Luke Garner from the Tigers, Zach Hosking from the Broncos, Peachy back from the Tigers and also Jack Cogger, formerly of the Knights and and most recently of the Giants in the Super League. Look, I think player movement wise, it's pretty huge. Losing Appy is massive for them. That's my biggest question mark I have for the Panthers, as well as obviously losing Kakao. And in terms of their gains, like really uh, Ghana's probably the only top 17 player in, in terms of their gains there. So are the Panthers going to be a little bit more vulnerable this year?
1: Yeah, a lot rests on on Mitch Kenny and, and Sonny Luke, doesn't it? With, with no happy chorus. He forced his way into the Blues side last year. I, I guess if you started the year and said Damien Cook won't start hooker for the uh, the Blues, you'd you'd be sort of laughed out of the room. And he got to the point there where he almost didn't make the side. So everything else is very, very similar. right? The back line's exactly the same. There's no changes there.
0: They, they know where each other are at all times. But
1: can Mitch Kenny or, or Sonny Luke? get clear of the ball where he needs it is the question.
0: I think that's a really, really good point because for me, like, I, I mean, not from a super coach perspective because we we know there's better options, but Appy, uh, as far as NRL goes, I mean, he's in my top three hookers in the NRL, possibly top two. So I really rate him as a player and I think the Panthers are going to miss him. Uh, I do feel like that's going to be their biggest loss and I'm not saying that they're not going to recover from that because they are such a good team. And Mitch Kenny and Sonny Luke. I mean, Kenny's not a bad player, but there's a marked marked difference between when Appy was at nine and when Kenny's there. So, you know, if if Kenny can be good enough at passing the ball to clearers, as you say, that could be fine. But yeah, like I do feel they're not going to be as dominant. And you know that plus you know the change in the spine, losing Cacao, and then obviously the whole World Cup plus the delay in players getting back from preseason. I feel like that's gonna See the Panthers start off slowly and that makes me nervous about starting with Nathan Cleary.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the World Cup hangover is one that that no one really knows how to predict really. It is viewed it's not just Penrith but I suppose they're probably one of the the most affected. What do we do with the, I know they've got your Mighty Broncos in round 1 and and I thought that was going to be a bloodbath to be honest. But um yeah, are they still suffering from that World Cup hangover?
0: Look, it's it's always tough because it's been so long since we had a World Cup for starters, but I think any time where a team, like their players, don't get back to preseason training in January, like that's like other teams, especially teams that didn't make finals, they, they were back on the 1st of November, right? So that's two months, basically, of training, fitness that other teams have uh, have ahead of them. So I have to say that it, it, inevitably there's going to be some issues there. I feel like a lot of teams start slower. We see it a lot with the Roosters because they're so used to being at the back end, right? Trent Robinson got really good at just letting them start slowly and then just building and building and then obviously smashing at the back end of the year seems to happen all the time for the Roosters. So I'm not saying the Panthers will be like that because obviously Ivan Cleary is his own coach, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are a little bit sluggish at the blocks. So having said that, like I feel Nathan Cleary is cheaper still than what he should be, and I think for that reason, I, I I'm leaning towards just locking him in regardless, even though he is. Yeah, really expensive and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he does start a little bit slower than what his average is. What do you think on Cleary? Like, is he in your team?
1: He has been at times. He doesn't reside there at the present, but that's purely because I just don't have the funds right now for him. I'd love to have him there. I think he's he's got to be the lock for, for anyone's draft number one, right? It, if, if you could have one guy, Cleary's got to be your guy. But... um they're an interesting side when it comes to building your team because people like Taigo and May, they were locks last year. You got them at two hundred K, whereas now you're expected to pay four or five hundred thousand for these players and it's just not that easy. But they're still the same guy they were last year and you happily had them in your team. So the Panthers are quite hard to approach from a super coach perspective, I think.
0: Must they miss round three for one of the early buys, so that's always tough, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think with with the lack of, as you said, Luke Garner is probably the only guy that wasn't in the Panthers system that will be in the seventeen to start the season. I think that helps the World Cup hangover. I think that really does. Everybody there knows the Panthers system. I think they'll be
0: okay. Yeah, look, I, I certainly am not predicting. You know, that they're going to struggle too much. Like it's just about well, if you're fifty 50-50 between you know two really good players, like are you going to lean the guy who didn't have to play deep into November and and hasn't been on holidays till January or whatever. I mean, we brought his name up, but Garner, I think, uh, look, he's priced at a 41.4 average uh, coming over from the Tigers. He didn't play 80 minutes all the time there. He also played in the centers a number of times. So his price is definitely deflated from where it should be. You'd think there's at least a safe, like a 10-point increase just from, you know, if he gets 80 minutes. That's the key thing. If he gets 80 minutes, then you'd think he's going to average 50 plus just from his work rate and then potentially off, you know being able to run off two significantly better halves than what he got to run off at uh, the Tigers. But yeah, it's going to be hard to not have him firmly in the mix for one of your second row spots because of his price tag there.
1: Yeah, he's, he's got um, probably the hottest hottest real estate in the NRL on the, the left edge back rower for the Panthers. I don't know if he will get 80. They've got the impact player of the century and Scott Sorensen sitting there on the bench. Um, oh, Scott. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Between Liam Martin and, and Garner, I think they're going to maybe be looking more like 65 minutes, but you're right. Coming from the Tigers, I think that's an upgrade 65 on, on the left edge of Penrith is, is worth 165
0: at the Tigers. You'd have to think. <laughs> wow. That's rough for <laughs> Tigers fans. But no, I, I, I agree with your sentiments. Maybe not quite to that extent. But <laughs> yeah, look, uh, it's, it's going to be hard not to to have Garner in. He's currently in my squad. Uh, I think I've just got my expectations a little bit more managed. Like I'm not ex- always expecting him to play 80. He probably will from time to time just because of injuries and HIAs and whatnot. But yeah, I, I would not be shocked because we saw like just two years ago, right? Kurt Capewell, Liam Martin, Billy Cacao. They just rotated you know, three, obviously very good players, three very different players, and I think you know with Martin there, he's going to be the main edge, obviously, given I mean he's played for Australia now, right? So yeah. uh, whereas you've got an up and coming player like Garner coming from you know he's he's obviously really promising. Clearly likes him because he debuted him when he was at the Tigers, and and obviously he's he sought him out and and signed him across, so he's obviously got him in in his plans. It's just whether it's the super coach relevant plans that we're looking at here.
1: He's not really Army Kickout. He might be lining up where he where he did, but he, he's still not Viliami
0: really Kickout. So I think, yeah. Extremely different player, right? Yeah. What Garner is, is a really, really good line runner though, um, which, I mean, I see him more like a Kurt capable in that sense, as opposed to, you know, Kickout, who will just run over you and- Eat people. Obviously still be really skillful and, and you know, be able to throw the offload around the corner. <laughs> Which is scary how freakishly good he was with his hands and his feet for such a big guy and such a powerful guy. But yes, uh, that's that's a lot of Panthers love. Uh, it's worth noting, though, uh, I think they do start with someone different on most likely on their left wing. I think Talon May's got a couple of games to serve on his suspension there. So, worth noting there. So, don't fall for that trap. I think he's only out for two games. So, yeah. I, I know, like, especially if uh, it's Teruva. He might start on the the wing. Some people might look at the price tag and go, "Oh yeah, cheapy, let's get on." But he might be out the team by round three, so yeah.
1: he can be the uh, the James Schiller of this year. James hey,
0: Schiller. <laughs> oh geez, uh, I'm glad to say I didn't I didn't fall for that trap there.
1: No, me either. Me either. Hopefully, hopefully the starting left wing is uh, Brian To'o, and he can hold it, and they can shift May over to the right. That'd be lovely for any To'o owners, but uh,
0: it would be. I just don't see it happening. Unfortunately, no. I, mean, I
1: think two games might be all, all you'll get.
0: If if even that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on from the Panthers uh, to, I mean, let's talk about the Dolphins. I think a very, very unexpected lineup. I think we all expected the team to look a lot better than this, didn't we?
1: Yes, yes. Well, I'd like them to have a, a name that wasn't the Dolphins. I'd like them to be Red <laughs> Dolphins. But moving on from that, you, you would have thought they could have signed someone with some some firepower
0: yeah it's kind of scary like i mean it's not for lack of trying to be fair they've tried (laughs) really hard to sign they just keep getting knocked back uh obviously the highly publicized uh, cam munster drama and you know this public feud that seems to be playing out between munster and wayne bennett now is uh kind of sad but yeah there's obviously there's a lot of opportunity right all these guys that come from other teams possibly with lesser roles and there, there's an opportunity for them to step up and take charge of a new role. Oh, look, I'm not even going to try and guess what the top 17 is going to look like just because there's so many mo- moving parts. The only thing we can definitely say is, you know, the Bromwich brothers would be front and center of that pack. I think uh, Tom Gilbert also, uh, I mean, he's possibly the best forward they have uh, in that team. There's a lot of excitement in the back line, like likes of the, the Hammer uh, and that's probably it, really. <laughs> no.
1: yeah, Jermaine Starco's there too, Will. Don't forget, they've got a so uh, every every try is going to be worth six.
0: Oh, no, no, I don't even know if he's going to be like. Uh. Look, I was really excited when Jermaine debuted as a rookie. He had such a good season, and ever since then, he's just gotten worse and worse every year. He just hasn't improved. It's just it's a bit sad, really. He looks like a footballer. He's built like a footballer. He just—he's a really good-looking man. And his quads, I'm jealous of his quads, but <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, it's, I, I think it's true that football's not just about the physical attributes, you need to have it between the ears as well. And that's unfortunately, I think where his uh, mind lets him down, just all the brain snaps he has just yeah, happens too often.
1: I am excited for, for guys like Sean O'Sullivan and, and Jeremy Marshall King, not from a super coach perspective, just that they get their shot at running an NRL team. I think they're both very, very underrated players. So that'll be good to watch that. And hopefully they've got a decent forward pack to come off the back of. As you said, Tom Gilbert could be one of the better up and coming. Where is he? Is he a lock? Is he a front rower? Is he a back rower? Who knows, but he's a good footballer.
0: My guess uh, it would be he plays lock, but again, how many minutes that that's, that's the big question, Mark. I think there's a lot of appeal there because he's got that dual positioning. He's priced around a 47 average. And you'd think on paper he's going to get more minutes than what he was getting at the Cowboys. But I just don't know. Like it's just hard to predict. Yeah, it is. It's better. Traditionally, um, Wade Bennett does play his locks for bigger minutes, like 60 to 65 plus. So, you know, if he gets that, then I think I'd be, you know, trying to jump on. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll be comfortably not starting with Gilbert, I think. Uh, and and just move to him if he is getting 65 minutes or something like that. But I, I find myself not with, like, I do have one Dolphin in my team, and maybe it's just hopeful right now. And that's um, Valance Tafare. T- 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 yeah, think I
1: think they're going with Tafare, uh, I think.
0: Tafare, yeah. Uh, he really looks good for Supercoach if he gets a spot. Like, he, the way he plays, um, going through Q Cup and everything like that, just. Big guy, fast, bumps players off and can sniff out tries. So if he finds himself in the centers in, in round one, absolutely. I mean, everyone will start with him because he's bottom dollar, but like, I, I see him as someone you could probably play uh, because he's actually going to be quite super coach friendly. But remains to be said if he gets the spot or not, honestly.
1: Yeah, who, you're right. Who knows what Wayne lines up there? But I've I've, I've never seen him play. I um, haven't even seen a photo of... Of him, but I've read the the comparisons to Conrad Harrell and I still remember what that guy looks like. And he could run over a truck. So you're right. Tackle bus could be Tafare's specialty.
0: Yeah. I like, I like how you're pronouncing it. But look, yeah, look, Conrad Harrell is probably a very good comparison. I think he's not as short as Harrell was. He's over 180 centimeters, but as a center, he's tipping the scales at 108 kilograms. So there's lock forwards who don't weigh that much or back rollers even. So big boy. Definitely. Who
1: would you uh, who would you have at fullback? I'm not a huge Hammer fan, and I hear you're not a huge Tessie New fan, so I guess that means we we have to start a Sako at fullback, or, or who <laughs> do you have there?
0: Look, if if it was if I was coaching, I'm putting Hammer there just because I think he's he's got that X factor and him being able to chime in when he wants. I think that will be better. Tessie's really good in support play, and I actually don't mind him as a actual when he's got ball in hand. But his deficiencies in defense are just like, honestly, unforgivable at times. So I just can't get on board with him. Like, I know this is going to sound almost hypocritical because I'm excited for Walsh coming on board. But, you know, we see the low lights of Walsh just falling off tackle. It's getting brushed aside. Like defensively, he looks really poor, but he's there to try at least make the tackle. Tessie's 15 meters away from where the play's, you know, unfolding and he's jogging. And I'm watching this and I'm screaming at him going, probably stuff I can't repeat on this podcast. But
1: <laughs> He can't hear you either, by the way. Just, uh, no, just no. for your own sanity, he can't hear you.
0: No, that's fair. But look, I don't think he can hear anybody. Like He's in his own little world because he's jogging along. To, you know, like Any other fullback is sprinting because that's where the play is unfolding and he's just jogging and it's just infuriating. Like He's not there to make that last tackle. Every other fullback's there and even if Walsh is – Sure, he gets bumped off and whatever, but at least he's there. And I think that's the the thing that gets me the most about Tessie as a fullback. So yeah, all things said, I mean, I actually think he might be better just playing in the centers. I know center is really hard to defend in as well, but at least it's only on one side of the field.
1: Yeah, he's a lot bigger body. Oh, well, not bigger, but he's a lot stronger body than, than Hammer as well. I think being in the front line might might help testing you. I don't think Hammer can really play in the centres. He's got to be at fullback or on the wing.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Hammer at, at fullback is probably the best move there. But again, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I don't even know where Ewan Edkin's playing because I, I think he might actually be playing centre when I think he should be on an edge, honestly. The way he's, I mean, he obviously had a pretty decent season, Playing on the edge for the Warriors, but
1: yeah, with Kenny Bromish and Felice Kafusi, that you run out of edges, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah,
0: that's the difficulty, in, and I mean, I, I personally think, like, I reckon Kenny Bromish would make a pretty good lock. He's got some pretty decent ball playing skills, and he's done it before. Like, he started off before, you know, when when obviously uh, there was other edges preferred ahead of him. Like, he bided his time, come off the bench, played in the middle a lot. Yeah, I mean, obviously Wayne Bennett will make his choices, but. I don't know. Your neck and I don't think he's a great center. That's my biggest issue.
1: <laughs> I think the the most super coach relevant thing about the Dolphins each week is going to be who they're playing. It's it's looking
0: that way. It's, so you're backing them to be cannon fodder, basically.
1: I, I think they they might just be that way.
0: I I I mean I get it. I can certainly get on board with that narrative as well. But I also feel like there's a good chance they could actually be really frustrating because there's so many actually ex- experienced players in this squad. A lot of like hard edges in the sense that they don't roll over. You know what I mean? Like these guys aren't just going to get like, they, they're they not going to give up. Like the Broncos were so fragile mentally, uh, especially not, not so much last year, but the previous seasons, right? They just, all it took was two or three tries in a row against them. And you could see they'd given up. I don't think that'll happen for the Dolphins. They might not have the talent and the cattle to compete, but they won't give up. And I think that that could become frustrating for people who expect big, you know, cricket scores scored on them every single every single week. Like it'll happen eventually. For you know, inevitably, some teams are going to put forty fifty on them. But I just feel like there's going to be the odd team that only manages to beat them eighteen twelve or something like that.
1: Yeah. How many dolphins are you running with at the moment? Just uh, what we finish on the dolphins.
0: Yeah, just just to fire, basically, <laughs> and that's a placeholder at the moment. Uh, if there was going to be another Dolphin, it's probably going to be, I mean, Tom Gilbert, maybe. I just, yeah, I don't think I'll have any Dolphins, honestly. As you know, I like, if, if, if Tanner Boyd hadn't showed up, I might have actually found myself with Milford in. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, um, no. He's not even super cheap, Milf. is he? He's uh,
0: mid threes or 400s? He's priced at a 40 average. Oh, wow. Yeah, which... Again, like, this is more out of necessity. Back when, like, there was no cheapies at all. There was no one else. Like, it was either you went Cleary and another, you know, gun. Like, Cleary Hines. Like, there was no one you could drop down to, basically. (laughs) Like, the next people around the price tag were like, Chad Townsend, Lachlan Ilias. Yeah, no, thank you. You're not putting those guys in. At least Milford had the potential upside, right? He can score 90+. plus.
1: He can also score 9+. (laughs) Out <laughs> I
0: don't have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins go. I think we all have relatively low expectations, I guess you could say. And uh, I think that's probably going to lead to us being a little bit surprised, I feel, by how they might be a little bit more competitive than we expected. Uh, we'll finish up with one more team, the, the Warriors. Uh, so the good news is they're back in New Zealand and that's that's really, really exciting for them. They've had a lot of changeovers. Obviously, new coach. So, Andrew Webster stepping in. I don't mind him as a as a hire. I think it's probably... a. I mean, it's a really tough coaching gig regardless. So, he's probably one of the better options you could have gotten there. But then, uh, gains and losses. So, obviously, losses. Ewan Atkins gone. Uh, they've lost Lisa Katoa. Matt Lodge, I mean, he was gone ages ago. Nick Arima left mid-season. Reece Walsh, probably the biggest name, as we've talked about previously. But everyone else is just... Ben Murdoch Masilla, Ash Taylor, who retired, Aaron Penne, Tanamis Louis, Dejan Azi. Yeah, they're not massive names that have lost here. In comparison, I mean, Mitch Barnett, I think it's not a bad shout for them. It's a decent signing across from the Knights. They've also got New Corey from the Eels. And I don't mind Chance Nickel Cookstar coming from the Raiders, obviously. You know, he's a very different type of fullback to Reese Walsh. And I I guess if Walsh is the flashy, offensively minded pullback, I mean, CNK is the exact opposite, right? He is defense, defense, defense. He'll hardly ever score a try or throw a try assist, but he will, you know, help you defensively massively. So I like that for the Warriors. They obviously need that kind of rock at the back. And Tamara Martin, uh, hopefully playing six, I think that'll be good for the Warriors too. I like I really liked him at the Broncos. I thought he showed some really solid signs, but yeah, it's just he'd been out of the game for so long. How are you feeling about the Warriors?
1: Not good. Not good to be honest, both I I don't see a lot from the Warriors. Although, as you said, their ins seem to be uh have a lot more upside than their outs, so that's generally a good sign. They're back to New Zealand, but I don't have any Warriors in the team at the moment. I don't know how they're going to line up. One through 17, where do they play some of these guys? Like, is Nickel set at fullback? I've heard he's
0: playing in the centres. Uh, I think Webster came out and confirmed he's definitely starting the season at fullback, uh, which I guess that, that kind of indicates that he may not stay there long-term. But he's definitely starting there.
1: Two new edge back rowers, near and Barnett. That, that's a positive. Um, both sort of, yeah, good defensively when Barnett's not trying to take people's heads off. Josh Curran, hopefully he gets a, a, a bit steadier run playing lock or, or wherever they do play him. He, he just needs a little bit of stability. He missed that
0: last year, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, he's apparently got some off-field dramas that he's currently dealing with as well. So he may not be available early on. So that's a, big, a bit of a watch there. I actually heard Barnett might actually be playing prop. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I do feel like, um, you know, Nick Corey seems like he's most likely going to be holding down one of the edges, but I'm not sure how they're going to line up for the other side. So one to watch there, obviously, with, especially if Karen's not available, they might force Barnett to play edge.
1: Yeah, that drops off quick, maybe like Bailey Sirenin or, or someone like that.
0: Well, I think it seems very apparent that Tohu Harris will stay playing lock. Webster spoke of wanting to make him be that link in the middle like he wants him to like he spoke very highly of his ability to pass as well as to run uh, to run with hand, the, the hand, you know the ball in both hands he had a pass and and yeah he spoke very highly of that skill of tohu so i think that kind of indicated that he's going to be very prominent uh and touch the ball a lot so does he interest you front row forward he's not cheap price around a 60 average
1: i think i'd almost prefer him playing prop right That being that link man you. He might touch the ball more, but just unfortunately a a catch and a pass is worth zero unless you're putting someone through a hole. And I don't think the Warriors are going to be making too many line breaks looking at this this lineup. So that probably drops Tohu's stocks in my mind.
0: I don't know. Like I I take your point because, yeah, like Jake Trevojevic, right? (laughs) But at the same time, like Tohu's got quite a lot of line break assists. We saw him quite effective in – not so much last year. I feel like the year before, we definitely saw it a lot. Uh, and, and you know, it's also his threat with the pass. Like he can dummy and go himself and he definitely busted the line a few times there. So I th- I feel like that's why I see there's the upside. He's going to be on the field a lot. And, you know, when he's on the field, he gets through his work and then he's got the potential upside. He's one of the back rollers that I feel could turn up um, a lot of the time compared to some of the others. I mean, Cam Murray aside, Dave Favita aside, you know everyone else needs to score multiple tries whereas Tofu can get it done with
1: trisis there. Yeah, right. 80 minutes of tackles is is going to be there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean not sure if he's going to play 80, but I feel like if he's getting 60 65, um I'm I'm keen and the no origin factor is pretty big and the dual position like that's going to be huge this year. I feel like that's it's worth like an extra you know 20 30 grand basically, right? Every, everything like that yeah. factors in, so I'm really keen. Like, I want to anchor one of my front row spots with someone like a Toru Harris or a Joey Tarponay or a Payne Haas, someone like that. Yeah. And as much as, you know, my heart will always say Pain. my head says Joey Tarponay because he, I never had him in my team at the back end of last year. So I missed out. Yeah. Well, I
1: think one of those plays Origin, right? And that's, that's Pain. The other two both are exactly. available during the Origin
0: period. But I feel like in terms of underpriced players, uh, I actually think Payne is the most underpriced of the three. So this is why i am got that dilemma. But, you know, Torhu has the dual position and he's got a really, really good buyer schedule as well. Uh, the Warriors, they they have a buyer in round 12. So the big buy rounds are 13, 16, and 19. So the Warriors um, have one in round 12 and then round 16. So you could really hold him all season potentially. He's quite easy to cover. Like it's the teams where you're gonna miss two of those big buy rounds that become really tough to manage. Yeah. So I definitely feel Tohu has a lot of upside. Like he's a lock and set and forget for the season barring a season ending injury. So there's some appeal there for me. Whereas
1: with my lack of research, what's he priced at? Well, what average is Tohu priced at?
0: Just under sixty one as okay. an average. And part of that is because I mean, he certainly had some issues last year. Injury wise, as well as, uh, yeah, I think there's, I mean, he came back really late from his injury, right? And he eased yeah. into it. Uh, so he's got a 30 minute game in there. First few games back, he's always a little bit more tentative, but a couple of games in, and then he's averaged 68 pretty much for the last, uh, you know, nine or 10 games for the season. So that was
1: an ACL too, wasn't it? He's back off an ACL.
0: Yeah. So okay. second year back is always a bit better as well, 18 to 24 months as well. So, a lot of upside there I see for Tohu. It comes down to like minutes ultimately and uh, I guess how well the Warriors go. But, you know, being able to play it in, back at home, I think can't be understated as well. That's going to help them.
1: You're right. You might have just talked me into it. But, uh, <laughs> I better get onto, uh, onto the team straight after this pod now.
0: Look, it's it's early days yet, right? So just, you know, maybe your 113th iteration can have Tohu in that for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Before I forget, Sean Johnson, we can't ignore him. Because how good does he look?
1: How good does he look? I did see that photo there. That's got to be two or three houses trained down to get to that.
0: Right. I well,
1: think he's got to be old now. Sj
0: or what? How do you look that good when you're that old? Man, he doesn't look. He doesn't look old, does he? He looks like he's still. He could still. Uh, I mean, how old is he? Thirty-two. Thirty-two okay. at the moment, and he looks better, a lot better than most thirty-two-year-old footy players. That's for sure but i mean my question for him is it's always the lower limbs that are the issue and he's is ripped up top but he's not like you know chicken legs or anything like that but
1: they've added they've added Luke Metcalf there for a little bit of, of uh, depth i know the sharks were quite high on on Luke Metcalf so if um, yeah sj yeah, goes I, down i know tomorrow martin and luke metcalf isn't your ideal 6 and 7 but it, it's definitely definitely not the
0: worst He's priced at a forty three point four average as well. So I'm not gonna break the bank either. But you know, he's halfback only, so he's lost that five eight positioning, which was always one of the appeals for having SJ in your team. He was perennially with that dual position there for no reason, because he'd always play halfback. So
1: Yeah, count me out, Will. No no SJ for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: it breaks my heart, but I think I'm in there too. It's just there's just too much injury risk and not enough upside compared to the SJ of the past, where it was worthwhile. So yeah, look, I think that's um, that's another four teams wrapped up there. So I'm pretty confident the Warriors will improve, but I'm not. I'm just not sure how much they're going to improve. Like they could still be bottom four. Honestly, that's my concern.
1: Yeah, I think that's where they. I think they're going to sit down there. I think anything better than that is is a great success for the Warriors.
0: Which is kind of sad, but right, <laughs> it is. It is. I want them to do well. I, I genuinely do. I feel like with everything they've sacrificed the last few years, I really want them to have a good season. They'll be I, th- I feel like they're gonna be my second team that I root for when I'm not cheering on the Bronx.
1: Yeah, they do deserve they do deserve some success.
0: All right. Any other thoughts on any of the teams we've talked about? I think we've covered yeah, I think we've covered that
1: pretty well. Again, let's go back. I don't like how everybody else gets a name except the Dolphins. Why do we not have a location?
0: Yeah, they didn't want to be associated. Geographically, with anywhere apparently, but no, it's gross. Uh, I, I really do agree. They they need to be associated with some sort of location. Everyone still thinks it's Redcliffe. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. They get to play at Suncorp quite a few games this season as well, which is obviously not their home ground. Uh, the home ground is Ko Stadium in Redcliffe.
1: Okay, the Ko Dolphins.
0: They're only there three games, I think. So yeah, the Ko Dolphins. <laughs> Technically, the the Warriors are the one Warriors now. Not the New Zealand Warriors. Oh, really? But they were the Vodafone Warriors previously. So (laughs) it's these brandings, right? Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Thanks again for jumping on, Matt. Uh, Always love hearing your insults. Yes, insults. Insights, rather. Uh, There's definitely a few insults there too. Don't forget about it. I do feel like there were a few insults there, but no. Justified. Justified ones. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go tinker with my team so no doubt you are as well uh we'll jump on again soon and then we'll keep talking through yeah we're going to keep working through these teams and and unpacking what we think are some of the key burning questions that we're expecting them to answer this year awesome thanks man thanks again for listening we'll catch you all soon